Hey, welcome back to Season 3 of Pigeonal Hockey, a participating member of the Hockey Focus Family Podcast. This is Chris and today's co-host, Steve. Hey, how's it going, hockey fans? And you know us, we're just a couple of goalies who have taken one too many pucks to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On this episode, we want to welcome our special guest, goaltender for the USPHL's Rock Springs Prospectors, Brody Shaw. Brody, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me on today. Thanks for jumping on. We've been looking forward to this conversation. We've been watching your saves all season. It's been really, really impressive. The only thing we're disappointed by is uh, that you're 2002 and we won't be able to watch you much next year as your junior hockey time is up. But I'm sure we'll be talking about other hockey movements as we progress along. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right, Brody, so to get us started, tell us about yourself and about your hockey life so far. Yeah, so I, I was born in Vancouver, Canada, but my whole family... Attaboy! Attaboy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but my family kind of moved back to Taiwan when I was uh, two. So basically, I grew up in Taipei, Taiwan, where I went to a bilingual school. So that's where I got to learn some English. But I started playing hockey in Taiwan, and... I've always watched my two brothers and two cousins play inline and ice hockey from the start. And they were actually all captains of the uh, Chinese Taipei national hockey team at one point. So uh, shout out to them. Hockey is special in Taiwan, man. Uh, really? they are around, Yeah, they are around three rinks in the, whole t- uh, in the whole island in total right now. And two, two when I grow up, actually. So we got one Olympic size rink for international play. And one three-on-three rink. Basically, we just use uh, we use a lot of inline hockey to make up for the lack of ice we have. So yeah. that's why that's why when people look at how we play, it's kind of a little bit on the little goofier side. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting about the three-on-three rink though? They uh, they actually when I moved here to Phoenix, they had a smaller ice surface. Oh shoot, I forget the name of it right now. The Phoenix people laugh at me, but it's, it's been since closed. Oh, Aussie Ice. And it was uh, pretty much designed for three on, not even three on three hockey. It was just tiny. But a lot of teams practiced on it because that's where you learn most of your skill, right? Is the closed tight battles without having wide open ice. Um, it's actually not a bad way of doing that. And being Canadian, Chris, you know, played a lot of street hockey too. That's to be honest yeah. with you. Besides skating, it's the only thing that you know you avoid from street hockey is that's where you learn a lot of your skill. Yeah, you know, that's where you learn how to drag and move and how to deke somebody on out. Goaltending wise, a little bit different, right? <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you though. For, Try deep tennis pushing po- on pavement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's true. But uh, when you get that nice little layer of snow, it's it's great. Except when that tennis ball got frozen, like that that thing still hurt like hell. But you know that's where a lot of like our play happened. Like I, I still remember back you know in my day with my buddies, a lot of epic battles out on the street. It was great. The only thing that did suck though is when you buddy with that slap shot that could never hit the net that would shoot it like you know three blocks over. That was always fun. But yeah, so like, back to that your Taiwan hockey experience. So what drew you into being a goaltender though specifically? Uh, yeah, but I think like most goalies, I started as a player. I just love, just so interested in the goalies. And then basically just one day I was like, yep, I'm going that. And then, and my family was cool with it. Well, that's interesting. They were cool with it. My my yeah. dad was like, my dad was hating life. Um, He wanted me to be a defenseman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've said this on a podcast before, though. What's funny is when they would put me out, because, you know, when you're playing in younger leagues, they never really keep you in goaltending most of the time, right? You know, yeah. uh, 
permanent. Mm-hmm. They had put me out on defense and I would piss my goaltender off. That was a net because I'd be blocking every shot like I was the goalie. Maybe I would have been a good uh, good defenseman, Chris. Who knows? Little little small, but definitely had the uh, the anger attitude towards it. So well, I would say that the thing is, blocking shots wasn't that big when we were coming up. Uh, you didn't see a lot of shot blocking. Mm-hmm. Did yeah, you? Was, and like, did, were you up? Were you seeing it up in Sault Ste. Marie? <laughs> well, I'm even trying to think back to 80s hockey, right? Like, how many big shot blocks there were? Like, who was the true big shot blocking people? Like, I know Guy Carbono was a, one of the bigger ones, right? It does seem to be start a lot. Shot blocking stats because it wasn't even that long ago. Because I really don't remember a lot of shot blocking unless I just. I mean, I have taken too many pucks to the head, but I don't remember a lot of shot blocking uh, in the NHL or any anywhere growing up. Yeah, I think it was one of the, the later development things where, you know, players, you know, because part of it was, if you remember back, Chris, and <laughs> sorry, Brody, that we're going in this little tangent. But, oh, you're good. <laughs> but it was, you know, the you wanted to get out of the goaltender's way, right? Don't tip the puck. Don't don't try to block yep. it. Let the goalie yep. have the clear, clear line of sight. I think mm-hmm. it became more prevalent now with those with the sticks because everybody's got an explosive shot now, right? So if you can you limit the you know amount of and not that and yeah and coarsey stats and different things like that to generating the game, right? And stick lanes because there's a lot more focus on those things now than there used to be too, right? So yeah, uh, I don't doubt that that had a you know a big impact on it, but I do remember Car- D. Carboneau was one of the you know pioneers of that defensive offensive player, right? shot blocking i know it's not a canadian's bias it's just because when i was a kid that's who i was focusing on the most because if you went to like the edmonton oilers you know back in the 80s i can't think of who the big shot blocker in that team was i think they were just all offense right and then uh, it was up to grand fear to stand on his head so um so back to your you know um your roots about being a goaltender. Did you have a lot of exposure to NHL hockey growing up? And, you know, if you did or didn't, um, you know, besides wanting to get in there, who did, who, who really inspired you to keep playing? Hmm. I think being born from Vancouver, we, um, my brothers love hockey because they, they grew up in Vancouver mm-hmm. before we moved back. So they're into hockey and then Canucks was the team that we mm-hmm. all cheer for. So yeah, I think, one of the one of the goalies that got me into playing goalie was Luongo. Ah, uh-huh, Bobby Lou, he's great. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah, that's definitely who I I looked up to. Yeah, you goal. got you, so, you you got to pick up some Bobby Lou jokes because that guy is just awesome. <laughs> one of the funniest guys in the game. Yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> just, yeah, what was that? That 2020 uh, World Juniors? Was it the 2020 World Juniors where he what? He's like, do I have a German son? he's always gotham like he's so he's 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 the king of like that self-deprecating canadian humor right like he can just make fun of himself and he had a he had a great career he was always one of my favorites to watch and now i just love hearing from the guy and his insight on the game and you know everything else so you were young when you moved how old were your brothers when when they moved from vancouver my middle brother is seven years older than me and then my oldest brother is 10 years so they're nine and eleven, if I'm right with the math. No, no, that's yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So then, just just for perspective on this, right? Because I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know, you know, much about Taiwanese hockey, right? So how how good were your brothers compared to other players when they went to go play? They actually didn't really start playing like hockey, hockey until they got out to Taiwan too. 
Really? Uh, yeah. It was actually my two cousins. I think they started. I think all of them started with inline, and then mm-hmm. I think ice hockey got introduced to、um, Taiwan not 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 too long after, and then that's where they started. So, okay, interesting. It, interesting.、Mm-hmm. So they, that's awesome because you you、mm-hmm. you're you're a solid goal goalkeeper, and that's why I'm asking so many questions because. You know, there's always a disadvantage to being a goalie really late on in life. You know, especially、mm-hmm. if you want to move up in a career.、Uh, Chris got a late got a late start, but he was playing the he was back in. You were playing goal and street hockey, weren't you, Chris? <laughs> yeah, I would play roller and street, but、um, yeah, we 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 didn't have money growing up, so uh, uh, ice hockey really wasn't、uh, something I could do until I I moved out and、uh, got my own pads in my late teens. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah definitely the most. So I said my dad hated it when I wanted to go because especially when you're a little kid, like hockey equipment's expensive enough to begin with, right? And growing, like I remember my older brother, I think he was going through four to five sets of skates a year because he was growing so fast at one point. Being a goaltender going through a growth spurt, I remember times I'd start off the season with pads that were too big, and then by the end of the season they were just above my knees. <laughs> so huge shout out to my dad.、Uh, thank you for supporting that ridiculous habit of mine. Uh, yeah, it is the awesome habit. Okay, so that's just it's just really cool finding the origins of you know how people play and they come about because like I said I'm impressed with your game. So starting off you know、Thank、with you. inline and converting over to ice hockey, it's still pretty impressive. Thank you, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. there's a reason that、uh, you know we got you were awarded the、uh, age out goalie of the year for、uh, for the Western USPHL from our podcast because、uh, like I said you just. You really, really stood out this year in the net. It was a,、uh, it was incredible. No, I really appreciate it. You guys show、uh, like a whole ton of love to just Lenicky, Prue, and myself. You know. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys had a, it was it was interesting to see how、um, co- is it Coach Ruddle? Uh, Rando. Rando,、uh, Coach、yeah. Rando.、Um, Ruddle is Rogue Valley, I think. Okay, well. Um, well, Coach Randall, in the beginning of the year, we just didn't know who the starter was、um, because they were doing a pretty solid job just rotating everybody.、Um, and I, I'm assuming that was the coaching staff basically figuring out who was going to step up and who they would put their faith in most. And it really just became kind of, I mean, by November, it was really just between Yudel and Nikki. Kind of like a one A one B setup that we would see you boys、uh, hitting the ice. And speaking of the Rock Springs prospectors, tell us a little bit about you know this year playing in the USPHL and the inaugural season for Rock Springs. For sure, like actually, a whole bunch of guys came in with Corey, our last year's head coach for、uh, Colleg Arrows in Alberta, and then most of us kind of knew what was gonna be like coming in for expansion team. But most of us end up staying with the program, and then decided that we can build up or start something at least for this program, and then it can be a program that more people want to come in later on in the years, and then just keep building onto this culture in Rock Springs. So I think that was great that we we got to do that this year. Laying down the foundation for the future players that come in, kind of establishing that initial culture—it's it's all real critical. You want to establish that culture, and I, I know it was an up and down season, and、mm-hmm. uh, you guys put up a hell of a fight in the playoffs. I was really impressed. I think、uh, you just played outstanding in the playoffs. It was really fun to watch, and、uh, yeah, Rock Springs—I really felt did. In terms of the playoffs, outperformed what I expected Rock Springs to do in the playoffs with the way the season was winding down. So I was really impressed with that. 
Yeah, thank you. Danny was definitely hyping us up with all the all the articles about us getting knocked out in two. So we came in with the mindset of just trying to prove a point. And then I you thought did. we did that. <laughs> but the first time, but I guess we couldn't we we just couldn't finish it out in the third game on Sunday. So that was unfortunate, but probably the guys were rallying the whole weekend and I think we left a statement but couldn't <laughs> couldn't couldn't finish what we uh, started. So that's that. <laughs> it, it was still impressive because, yeah, I mean, I'm, you guys can read the, the story because I, I publish them on the Hockey Focus. I basically picked Rock Springs to be out in two because Seattle had a really strong team. And, I, wow, you guys just came out guns a-blazing. The first couple minutes of the series was just immediately tense. So I don't think Seattle was expecting that. I didn't know what to expect by the final uh, game. I just didn't know what to expect because I'm like – Mm. I don't know what's going to happen here. So it made it, uh, it made it very exciting. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we battled hard to the end. I said, I'm proud of the guys. And there was definitely some uh, tears shit after the game. So, yeah. <laughs> so he's, yeah. yeah. It, it's good to know that you left it out on the ice because sometimes the, the worst way to lose is when you have an off game or you felt like you could have added more. So, you know, there's always that. It sucks to lose. Like, not, not nobody out there playing wants to lose. But there's at least a good feeling that, you know, when people are so invested, right? When you're saying there's tears afterwards, they were pushing for that W, you yeah. know. And that's always that to me. When you go back and you reflect, you're like, hey, if you left it all out there, you did everything you could. You know, sometimes the bounces just don't go your way. You know, sometimes the goaltender's goalposts on the opposing team are just a little bit better than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you know that's the way it goes, right? So uh, let's shift gears, though. So you'll be representing Taiwan in the upcoming IIHF Division Three World Championships in Cape Town, South Africa, for an impressive third time. Tell us about your previous two experiences and what you look forward to with the upcoming tournament. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I am I am extremely excited and humble to get to uh, represent the homeland again. But this time, the men's tournament. Um, yeah, the first tournament I was selected to go to was actually in Cape Town, South Africa. Also, it was the uh, U18 Division Three B tournament. We came in the tournament actually favorite to win because we were actually relegated from last year. So we came in there and then we just did our thing. And we did our thing and then got the gold medal. So got the boys back to the Division Three A. And then some of the guys I met in South Africa were still friends on Instagram till today. And then I got a chance to play against them in the U20 tournament last year in Mexico, too. I just got to say, like, how IHF organized the tournaments are just amazing. The moment we arrive from the airport, the guys are coming to pick us up and then taking us to the hotel and everything's taken care of. Hotel employees are very friendly. And then just the whole thing is just organized very well. So how much action did you see when you were playing when you were there? I was fortunate enough to get all the games uh-huh. that we played for <laughs> the first tournament. Way to and dominate then, Taiwan, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, last year's tournament, I got to play five out of the six games, which I really actually didn't expect it to because... My goalie partner, his name is Andy, so shout out to him. He's just as good as me, if not better sometimes. So when you're playing, representing the country, you got to just put the flag in front of your name. So you got to do what's best for the team and country and then just play. We were fortunate enough to got the gold medal from last year and then promote the guys to, to B this year. 
Well, to be honest with you, after watching you play, and this is not a knock on your partner, I'd have to see, you know, I'd have to see his play, but there's no doubt in my mind that you would truly have earned it because, you know, when, you know, again, watching you in highlights and I would go back and watch some extended stuff, you're focused, you know, you're really focused on that puck. Going back, I, some of the compliments I'd make were your tracking of the puck and for the secondary, many other rebounds, because let's be honest, in, in junior hockey, it's usually three or four rebounds sometimes. Really great positioning, really, you know, great focus on the puck. So it doesn't shock me that you played, you know, five of the six games because if the coaches are seeing what we see, then, you know, it's a pretty easy choice. Thank you. I, uh, I try my best. Try to stay locked in all the time. I mean, that's the key for me. You know, so here's a question I haven't asked too many goaltenders, and this could be a trade secret <laughs> or not. What do you do when you let in a soft goal? How do you refocus? You know, I actually seen a lot of like goalie posts on Instagram telling you what to do, but I kind of just go for a lap and then forget about it. I think that's the most simple way to do it. And then I try not to complicate things. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's how it goes. Oh, it's, it's, it, it's sometimes it's as easy as that. Right. So, mm-hmm. and that's part of the mentality of being a goaltender. Unfortunately, I think a lot of us are, you know, really tough on ourselves. As soon as you get in your own head, you're done. And that that even happens with, you know, shooters, right? When they're squeezing the stick too hard and they're just trying too much, right? So so I can totally understand that. I wish I was able to do that as effectively as you. <laughs> yeah, I could say I wasn't quite as successful shaking off a, off a bad hole sometimes. <laughs> you, you, you could kind of see it when my stick would break on the ice or uh-huh. <laughs> or the, the, the big head snap back of like, oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah, that's that's kind of funny because uh, I actually got similar questions asked to me by some of my teammates. I kind of just say, I kind of just joke about it and say, when you get scored on that many times, you kind of just get used to it, so you kind of just forget yep. about it. <laughs> <laughs> when you're when you're in a game, I've been in a couple games where I was just, and and, and listeners, I know you probably heard the story, so I'm not going to rehash it. But I've been in a couple games where it, when the shot count gets above a hundred for one game, you're like, well. And your 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 team's legs are just dead, um, mm-hmm. and it's the fourth or fifth rebound. You're just like, oh, what can you do? And you just, like you said, you just immediately. Sometimes it almost gets. There was one game where I just laughed because I'm like, I, there's nothing else I can do. This is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I'm not killing myself. We've lost this game. It's already. I had one game where I let in. I think it was 21 goals on 105 shots, and then. Another mm-hmm. game where I led in 20 on mm-hmm. 86, but in both those games, we had such a short bench and by short bench, like almost one or two guys on the bench. And by the second half of the game, no, they're dead, especially when the other teams rotating four lines or like the jackasses in Swindon uh, rotating in their top two lines. So <laughs> out the jackasses in Swindon, like when you're up that much, like just stop collecting your points and let the third or fourth liners get their uh, get their due. So that's why that game I got a little bit mean. You know, come near my crease, we're probably gonna bleed. <laughs> I got to that point that game. Like I, I know what your top two lines are. You didn't need to rotate, and we have three guys on the bench. So, anyway, transitioning into kind of what the next step is, because after you represent your country coming up, you can't come back to junior hockey. You've aged out. If you've committed or not, what did you want a college program to know about you? Yeah, I have actually committed, but oh. I I will still say any college program not going to, they're getting a goalie that's just really dedicated to the game. I try to be the earliest guy to the rink every day 
and then just do the warm-ups I need to do to prevent injuries and stuff, and then just dedicate myself to the game, practicing my hardest. I think that's the key. Gave me success from this past years till now, and then my compete level, and just the way I use my size, if I have to, try to be as agile as I can on the ice, too. I think that's the that's the key point. Well, you look at any this most successful hockey players, because you always see footage of it, you know, the Sidney Crosby's that... The first one's on the ice, the last one's to leave. It's the work ethic of a lot of these players that really drive them, you know, up and above. Like, you know, Connor McDavid, the amount of work he puts in the summer months and the same type of mentality, right? When you have mm-hmm. that much talent and you're still and you have that work ethic built in as well, and you, you're willing to push yourself and go the extra mile, it makes all the difference in the world. I find, you know, with goaltenders, you know, it's great to hear that you're out there and you're, you know what your body requires and what you need. And it's great that you're taking control of that. I wish I had access to the the ice, you know, before for practices, because where I grew up, it just wasn't you, you got on at the exact time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to stretch and warm up before a game, you would do that. But, you know, I would, like I said to Chris, I'd kill to have a lot of the stuff that you guys now have exposure to. Because, like, you know, I was blown away by virtual reality training now. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Mike, you can actually train with a VR headset on now. I'm like, that's just epic, right? It's, a you know, for all athletes. I would have uh, done that for fun growing up, man. <laughs> you know? well, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have seen what a uh, you know an ally Afraidy slap shot coming at me through uh, VR would have been as opposed to actually having to experience it myself. Uh, <laughs> that that would have been cool to see. But uh, about you know about effort and you investing in yourself because you're obviously hitting your goals and getting places because of that dedication to the game and part of that's dedicated to making sure you're you know game ready, practice ready. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and ready to go because it's another huge thing, right? Is that would always bother me growing up was uh, so for goaltenders, you know, that old adage of just get pucks on them. It's it's not enough, you know. You 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 need extra things. Uh, having to dedicate a goaltender coach is great. Video feedback would have been awesome. Uh, I remember seeing mm-hmm. my the first time I was ever recording, going, oh God, I look like that. i was out there always thinking i was patrick wall and i was definitely not but all these extra tools are just great as long as you're willing to put the time in and invest yourself into them right so you know kudos on you for being that that player again you know we're really blowing you up right now but it's well deserved because like i said you know when chris would send me highlights you were routinely on the highlight reel almost (laughs) chris did he miss a week um (laughs) uh i, I, I believe okay. so i know I mean, he <laughs> yeah. yeah i know yeah. he has 16 saves out of the 105 or 110 out of the northwest and i know for a fact that when i drop the top well out of the top okay so that's out of the northwest we have saved i know i'm a psycho when it comes to this um the vijhl is figuring that out now because I'm lighting up the goalies already there. 374 saves out of the West this year. And Brody has two out of the top 10 out of 374. He has two of the top 10 out of those. And so when it comes to just dropping them separately, I don't know how I'm going to drop them. I have to talk to you guys. I don't know. I think I might just drop them by division. But um, And then if I do that, I think he'll have more than two in the top 10. But if, if we just drop the whole West, he has two of the top 10. In fact, one of those is top five. Yeah, and if you ever listen to my reactions, uh, Brody, they uh, 
you know, it, like so my reactions are, you know, when there's just a phenomenal save, it's just straight out just blown away. But uh-huh. I also love the when you just make the shooter feel so minuscule by being in position, like just to me, if that's just speaks volumes too. Um, you know, because you'll hear me commenting on, you know, great positioning, you know, and I'm always big on that, you know, first push off a rebound and tracking of the puck, like, you know, any smart goals, any coach would be right. But it's easy. It's easy to sit back and as a fan of the game to say, you know, why didn't a goalie get there or critique a goaltender? But when you can really see what they're putting into it. It's amazing. Like even going back, like I, Chris, do you ever remember working on edge work as a kid? No. <laughs> Again, so I, I didn't mean, get ice time as a kid. <laughs> well, but even when you got I just worked like, on the concrete. I don't know. <laughs> Well, yeah, I just I just sit back and I kind of laugh because, again, you know, it's you know, it's great. You're taking ownership over your game, but it's great when they really invest in developing goaltenders. So is he allowed to say where he's going to college or do you have to keep that wrapped up right now? Yeah. Next year, I'll be going to uh, San Diego State University's uh, men's hockey team. And nice. Uh, San Diego. Congratulations. San Diego. <laughs> rough, well, well rough done. You're actually not all that far from me. It's only a six and a half hour drive. We got that mapped out because my my youngest daughter was claiming that she owned San Diego at one point. I would really, she does because <laughs> if she did, Chris, guess what? We would be uh, doing nothing but hockey all the time. Yeah. But yeah. Congratulations. Great area to go and explore. And a l- little bit of jealousy here, man, because you've been all over the world playing hockey so far. So kudos to you, man. No, thank you. I really appreciate that. And that's D1, is it not? Uh, yeah, they are a, um, obviously second year going to ACHA Div 1 program. Wow. So, yeah. Well done. Um, Be excited to watch you out okay. there. Thank you. I'm definitely looking to go in and just help build something good out of the program. So, Brody, if you end up playing uh, ASU, you've got to give me a holler when you're in town. <laughs> For sure, I will. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I should go follow ASU if they hit the San Diego on the road. Good trip to go to San Diego for uh, a hockey game. It's a gorgeous area to play, man. Like I, I had a buddy from San Diego, and oh, I don't know. He was always talking about how San Diego was always perfect. He's like, the weather's always perfect, and I'm like, yeah, that's boring though, isn't it? Because I like having the like the, the the massive weather changes of like snow and fall and all that. He's like, no, no, I just sunny beaches surf i'm 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 happy he's like i don't so like to each their own steve you also always talk about on the podcast of wanting to play hockey someplace nice and there's me the psycho that's like <laughs> yeah. um if i can't if my face doesn't hurt when i walk outside um then i don't know if i want to live there so uh, <laughs> yeah for sure and i think one uh one thing that people don't realize is that the weather really can affect people's mood yeah. especially mm-hmm. especially as a player um just coming in from spending the whole summer in basically in Taiwan training and it just just coming out from such a hot area and going to Wyoming it just the cold kind of affected I, I feel I feel like it kind of affected me the first two months hopefully in San Diego <laughs> things can um, things are really nice there <laughs> well, yeah, yeah 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 Wyoming to San Diego and it's uh I, I, I de- it's definitely a step up uh, you know, my only complaints about Phoenix is just, you know, three months of the year when it's unbearably hot. You know, that's the biggest complaint for me. Other than that, you know, it's sun shining. Um, you know, it, this year was kind of funny. I used to say like 99 percent of the time, about 90 percent of the time. Um, 
but yeah, it does make a huge difference in your mood and mentality. You know, um, I grew up in Overcast, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, moved to Overcast, Ottawa, over to Overcast, Montreal. Uh, <laughs> not seeing the sun for a while really wreaks havoc on you. So uh, that's why I just say now, you know, if I had the opportunity to play out, you know, in a, what, you know, it's considered a non-traditional hockey market. Oh, God, that would have been amazing. But, you know, again, kudos to you for earning your, you know, uh, your role on San Diego's hockey team. So um, we're going to now shift on over, my friend, to just talking straight up hockey. So, in fact, I got two things to drop on this because one's <laughs> hot topic today. And the other one's hot topic a couple of days ago. All right. Did you hear the announcement today? The NHL's announcement today about oh, the fanatics? New Jersey. Yeah. What do you What are your thoughts on fanatics? And you you both can chime in. What are your thoughts on the NHL going to fanatics once the uh, Ad- is it Adidas right now? Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. So Brody, I'll jump on this because I collect a ridiculous amount of jerseys, and you can give your input. Um, <laughs> They were talking about materials and customer service, and I'll just be honest with you, customer service in this world sucks right now. Um, it's, it's like when I get cust- good customer service now, I speak out so openly about it because I'm like, wow, it's refreshing to have somebody actually care and want to take care of problems or just treat you really well. You know, I, I just find customer service is lacking. Um, Steve, 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 can yes, I sir? just put you on hold for a, f- yeah. a few minutes? Is that okay? Just kidding. <laughs> i i I thought your i thought your extra a little bit of caffeine was kicking in there buddy but um (laughs) but yes but then you know i've heard people talk about the quality of jersey that comes out of them uh attention to detail you know i i get it like i love a good professional jersey like the guys wear i i own a bunch of fanatics jerseys um because i didn't want to go spend 300 dollars every time on you know, an Adidas jersey. It's, it's a heck of a lot of money. So if I could pick up, you know, one for 120 bucks, that's almost good enough for me, you know, because I'll be honest, I'm not in my Montreal Canadian Suzuki jersey 24 seven. Um, <laughs> you know, it's once a week or once every couple of weeks, depending on, you know, uh, what jersey I want to wear. But now defaulting back to this about quality, you know, I can get it, you know, um, you want better materials put into the jersey. So absolutely, I understand that. But on the other perspective here, Fanatics was taking over. They have been. I saw this coming. So people were shocked and, you know, were, oh, I couldn't see this coming. I'm like, yeah, I've been paying attention. You know, Chris, I'll equate it to this, man. When they announced that the Vegas Golden Knights were getting a hockey team, how the hell did everybody not know? The awards were going to Vegas how many years consecutively? If that wasn't the biggest hint, then I don't know what else they needed. So with Fanatics, Fanatics is blown up in your face. You could just see it coming. So I wasn't shocked if they're demanding a better product. If they put on an inferior product, people fans will call them out. Yeah, it's going to happen. Right. So they're going to have I don't mind them having the lower end product if it's not an exuberant amount of money. But if they've got the contract right now, they've got a couple years. They still have a couple years to develop what material they want to use, uh, because I think the last two uh, jersey companies that have taken over the NHL contract have gone into massive development and spent millions of dollars developing their jerseys. And I'm expecting Fanatics to do the same thing and produce a high quality jersey, um, not only for the ice, but 
for the fans that want a high quality jersey. But I still want the affordable jerseys out there too, because I could, like you, I could care less if I'm wearing a $300 NHL jersey. If it looks pretty damn good, not amazing, I'm still pretty happy of pretty damn good. I'm not going to lie. Well, um, we'll talk about the knockoff jerseys that are out there. Because I'm going to think... spill food on it anyway. So let's be <laughs> well, yeah, that's part of it, right? But the other thing is, you know, as long as the colors are right, the logo's right, you know, again, it's a lighter jersey. You know, 100% is a lighter jersey. And, and I was okay with that because I live in Arizona right now. I'm not wearing it to keep it, you know, it's not keeping me warm. So I was okay with it. I had issues with, like, and again, it's not a knock on people. But when they were buying the knockoff jerseys, my God, man, some of them were terrible because the colors were off. Like I'd see oh, people yeah. walking around the Arizona Coyotes jerseys with this weird tan color and really bad red color. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not being judgy. Because if that's what you can afford or that's all you want to invest, then, hey, all the power to you, right? But they didn't yep. look good. You know, and that's me. I'm like, so I can look at the Fanatics jersey and say, yeah, look fine. You know, if you just held it up quick and you didn't have the logo at the bottom saying it was a Fanatics jersey. Now, what people didn't like was when Fanatics was claiming that they were authentic jerseys, right? That was a bit of a different story, right? And I don't agree with that. Like, hey, if it's not an authentic NHL, you know, you know, again, Adidas jerseys, then it's not the authentic. So, you know, when people had that argument, I agreed with them. Like, hey, don't try to represent something that's not necessarily that's not true. You know, but again, that's just marketing and companies do this kind of stuff now, right? So, do you have much experience with Fanatics jerseys at all, there, Brody? Um, I I do actually. I <laughs> I I watch a lot of basketball, so <laughs> I actually really like their uh, the All Star jerseys for the nba mm-hmm. uh last year and then uh, <laughs> i don't know I, I really don't got much to say i think i think they got i think they they will be uh coming out with something good and then <laughs> fans are just gonna buy it no matter what yeah as long as it's good yeah. quality that's what yeah. all it comes down to right is and i still think know. they should come up with some more fun stuff like the like it honestly like adidas and stuff is done where I like the retro reverse. I love all those things. Like come up with something like that. Come up with, I've seen so many of these great, you know, I'm, I obsessively not only watch hockey, but hockey videos. My wife literally has told me I have a problem, but like a uh, post to post productions on YouTube. Uh, he's out of Nova Scotia or something. And he's always doing these Jersey concept reviews. And I obsessively watch and I sit there and I judge the hell out of them as well. I agree. I disagree. I love, and I hate. Um, and I think, some of these jersey concepts could be maybe something that fanatics can play around with, you know, and really produce some very cool. Like, I've loved what the Buffalo Sabres, some of the Buffalo Sabres jerseys have come out. Uh, I even like the, the ugly ones, and I'll buy the ugly ones. One of the two jerseys I brought to Copenhagen was the one most NH, or most Sabres fans hate, and that was that yellow front one where we had Michael Newworth was the goalie at the time, and I love Nuvi, so I got Nuvi's jersey. Um, it was, it was great. I love the Jersey. Uh, I love how ugly it is truthfully. Um, and I, I'm that fan, man. You put out a good product or bad product with my team. I'm still going to buy it. So Chris, going back to this one and Brody, let's see what you think of it. So the coyotes, when they did their third Jersey, the desert night Jersey, um, I initially was like, I think they could have did more, but then as soon as I saw their whole setup with it, I was like, that's pretty sick. Um, I really liked it, you know, and it's kind of funny. Like I, I experienced this before with the coyotes. They, 
I think they finally lost a game in that jersey, but they were on a winning streak with it. Um, have you guys? What are your guys' thoughts on that jersey, the third one for the Coyotes? I like it a lot. Is it the is it the white one or the uh, the green one? This is the red one. They yeah, the they, straight up maroon one that just says Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, Arizona with the little uh, you know if the, you know. Oh. The, little... the, cap, the captain's got the crescent moon on it, which is cool, right? Or it's got that artistic That's A, and cool. it's got the pattern all the way down. And then, you know, on the breezers, they've got the cactus on it. The only thing I think would have been cool would have been, uh, you know, a shoulder patch with, you know, something. else. They can always add that in another year, right? But, you know, they could have thrown the coyotes, you know, original logo that way on it, or the Gila monster, which I think would be, you know, just awesome on the side of that. Um but yeah, like when I saw that setup, I was like, man, that's that's really nice. Because once you caught off guard a bit, Chris, sometimes, though, like when we would rate the jerseys and you'd see it on the ice and go, oh, shoot, that's actually nicer than I thought. It makes a complete difference. I see some of these jerseys that pop out. I think I'm going to love them. And then I don't like, for example, like when the NHL um, introduced the Anchorage Wolverines was in love with the logo and what the jersey concept was on the ice. It was all sorts of wrong. I think sometimes when they're producing these jerseys, whoever does them anywhere and everywhere, um, you got to think about how they're going to look on, especially at this level, hockey TV. Um, and if you can't see the numbers, like if you're going with the dark jersey, you got to go with a bright number. You, you can't do these close-ish. Co- Nobody can see them, man. The commenta- if the commentators can't see them on hockey TV, it just looks like you're skating around in a dark blob. Um but you're right. There's jerseys that look am- – or they're just not that impressive when you look at them. You're like, eh. And then you see them on the ice. You're like, okay, that's hot. I like that. Yeah. That's a good-looking jersey. That's fire. You know, it's all the time. You're you're 100% right. And, so, you know, and that's the thing is when they're doing the, you know, the reveals of these jerseys, and I just have a fan wearing it, have the guys in their full setup, like, unveil it better because that will make, we, you know, the decision much easier. You know, I would line up to buy them more. And I'm just like you. My Montreal Canadiens come out with something, I'm buying it. You know, you just stamp that logo on toilet paper, I'm buying it, right? Anything, you put that logo on, I'm just going to buy it because I'm an idiot that way. Um, but same thing with the coyotes now. Like, I know you're sort of hot. And, which which one of you hates it? Is it is it, uh, is it Seabass that really hated the, the original logo, the original Kachina? No, that's me, 100%. That's you. Oh, I love it. I hate what do it. you think? So, 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 Brody, what do you think of the <laughs> original Kachina design for the Coyotes? Uh, to be honest, I don't know much about their design. I'm not gonna lie, because <laughs> I don't really pay attention to this stuff. But <laughs> that's okay. Me and Chris are total hockey nerds <laughs> with nothing better to do with our life. Um, Literally. <laughs> if we if we did if we didn't have to work to get food, this is all we'd spend our time on. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Oh heck yeah! If I didn't have yeah, if I didn't have kids and yeah, and I was retired right now, our podcast would be ten hours long of us droning on, and probably we could probably record a twenty-four hour straight podcast just on jerseys alone going back. So oh, we we wouldn't we wouldn't record a podcast. We would just go to Twitch. That's all we would do because <laughs> at least we could get paid for just endless talking, um, which is basically what Twitch is. But you know, um, let's shift gears away from jerseys and and kind of wrap this episode up with some quick talk on the QMJHL's announcement that next year they will be banning fighting. Thoughts? Yeah, actually, I've been reading some articles about it, but to be honest, I think a lot of fans or young fans <laughs> grew up watching hockey fights, and I think that's one of their biggest drive to playing hockey. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe 
probably taking away the fight will take away the fire that some kids have for the, the new generations of hockey players. I think a concern I have is I, I 100% agree. I really don't like seeing fighting at the junior levels of hockey, but I also don't think you can reasonably eliminate it. And this is a reason. This is a major reason why I think that. I'm a huge fan of you guys at the USPHL. You know that, so don't come at me. <clears throat> the USPHL did, I think, a very good job of banning fighting and basically punishing players that got involved in a fight. But I really think what they need to assess is not necessarily should we ban fighting, but why is the fight happening? If it's if it's to get your team spun up or to get the crowd into it or to spark, then, yeah, ban that shit and, and literally hit up those players with significant suspensions to spark your team or whatever all that crap is. I don't those fights always sucked. I'm sorry. I think especially at the junior level and the NHL level. I really enjoyed them, but seeing the repercussions of what that's actually done to a lot of those players where that was their career, I yeah, I'm not a big fan of keeping it around. I do think that if you ban fighting, all this dirty crap I've seen happening all year is only going to get worse, and it's going to happen in leagues where you where if if you you know slew foot a guy or or you go knee to knee in a dirty way or you board a guy in the right way or you just you know, you take your liberty on a player by the amount of attacks from behind I've seen this year was actually kind of shocking. Cross checks to the back of the head. I literally saw a game in the Pacific where <laughs> the player came around and literally slashed the back of the goalie's leg, full throttled slash. And they're like, we don't know what happened. And I'm like, what the hell happened to that goalie? And we slowly rewind. I'm like, OK, now I saw it because we don't have padding on our back. If you don't face repercussions for that on the ice, if you're not, well, you can't beat me up, then players are going to, I think they're just going to get nastier and get away with more. I think it keeps the game honest, but I think they can do that. If they can assess, if you can legitimately assess why did this fight occur, mm -hmm. then you can assess whether it should be suspendable. I, th I think if a guy decides to drop the gloves like they do in the USPHL, the minimum of one game I think is fair. I think that's fair because it's like, okay, well, this guy's going to pay for the, the neon knee um, or whatever the issue is, and I'll get my game. If the fight goes too far, like there's a point where you should pull up. I've seen a couple fights this year where, all right, the guy's clearly out of it. You have to pull up. You have to be able to control your emotions at some level. Um, I think they should look deeper at those fights. And then a fight for fight's sake or – it said something about somebody's mom or something. I don't know. Then, yeah, suspend mm -hmm. them higher. Like, if it's to ensure that those dirty hits don't happen, I 100% disagree with taking fighting out. But I 100% agree with removing fighting for fighting's sake or to spark your team and all that crap. Because, yeah, the repercussions of long-term head injuries is is proven. They're, they're talking about it all the time. And I think that's why the cues go in that direction. I just disagree with it. Mm. All right. And my two cents on this, the OHL cracked down on that. And that's because there was an injury with, a, a, a you know, I think it was a head smack in the ice pretty hard. So it, it's 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 tough, in my opinion here. Right. Because I'll go I'll, I'll go to the NHL. And I'll work my way down right now in the NHL. What I have a problem with is a guy having to fight because he threw a good, clean check. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's crap. That's it's ridiculous. So I would I would up that now because as soon as you jump in. 
if it's a clean check, and, and I understand you don't want anybody targeting your star players, right? Like you you don't go after a McDavid. You know, I saw McDavid get hit the other day and somebody went in to go fight. If it was a clean check, then who cares? That's part of the game. Like you're getting paid a hell of a lot of money to play hockey and checking's legal. So why are you that upset? Now, if all they're doing is targeting him time after time. Like every time he touches the puck and people are taking heavy runs at him, throwing arms up high, because I've, I've seen that happen in a game or two. Well, then, yeah, deal with it. But I would just, I would do, you know, an instigator if it's of uh, five minutes and that'll knock that crap off pretty quick. You know, guy throws a clean check. It's a th- clean check. Get over it. Um, you know, it, it, that that part just pisses me off. Um, so. You know, the other stuff, they want to drop the, drop the gloves and go. I, I, I still don't like the ones right off the draw. Like, you know, why are you guys just fighting when not, nothing they happened, right? Then. That's what I'm saying. If there's an assessment, yeah. if you can assess why the fight happened, just suspend those. You see how quickly people stop fighting. Yeah. So then, you know, going down to junior hockey, the whole the whole idea behind it, right, is to limit the amount of brain, brain trauma to younger players, right, mm-hmm. and all those repercussions. So it's a tough balance for me because I played back there. I fought a few times when I was a goalie. The guy, like I remember one, I was in Sudbury, Ontario, where the refs are biased as all hell, by the way, Sudbury, <laughs> Ontario. Shout out uh, to Sudbury. Yeah, Sudbury. Guy came in. I had the puck covered, blocker over top. And a guy came in to dig the puck. And then as soon as the whistle went, he whacked at it three times. You know, and it wasn't just a chip to try to get under it. Like, you know, once you got it and the whistle goes, it's okay. But he came over top and hacked at my glove hand three times. You know, after the, after the second time, you know, I was pissed. The third time, the ref wasn't doing anything but looking there. And, you know, I told off the ref and I went after him. Funniest part, though, was, you know, I was never that tall on skates, maybe just over six feet back in the day. And this guy towered over top of me. And he all he did was sort of bear hug over top of me and hold me down on the ice. You know, I'm like, I'm a goal. Look how awkward us goalies look like when we fight. Right. Because your arms are all pouched out from all your gear. Right. So it's not like I was going to be hammering, you know, dead fists on this guy. Right. It was ridiculous. And still going to call that guy out. Oh, God, you were a dipshit, buddy. Just fight attendee. (laughs) I was attendee fighting a forward. Come on. Like, still call you out for that crap. But in that circumstance, yeah, like, let him go. Right. And I get it. So, again, it's just the they're getting away from a bit, too, is like, you know, the whole goon part of the game. Right. Yeah. The people that in the NHL that you look at right now, Ryan Reeves can still play hockey, right? Wilson can still play hockey. Plays a little too edgy with those hits, still in my opinion, but that's who he is, right? So if Tom Wilson hits a player on your team, yeah, there's going to be a fight right afterwards because it's usually high and dirty. But guys, a skilled hockey player, though, too, right? So you're no longer seeing the plug that could barely play eating up a roster spot, right? A lot of these guys now can really play the game, which is you know, to me is equally as important because the game is so much more fun to watch than it was 20 years ago. I kind of teeter on this because I don't want to watch a guy's career get ended. Like the lasting effects of CTE, right? You don't want to see that happen to people, especially younger players. So yeah, I I agree. There should be some of it in the game to help police it a bit. I remember asking Shane Doan about this. I think it was, holy cow, like maybe six or seven years ago. And I said, Doan, they're talking about getting rid of uh, fighting in hockey what do you think about it and he laughed me right off and i was like okay yep fair enough fair enough and back to your point brody who doesn't stand up when a when a fight starts in hockey though right it yeah. is one of the more exciting parts right is when 
guys are going toe to toe. I've watched pacifists sit beside me and they're standing on up and getting into it. Right. I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> a little tilt got you out of your seat. Look at that stuff. Right. So divisive yeah. topic. We never want to see guys get hurt, you know, in the mm-hmm. end. But it's part of the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, as a goalie, you don't really I mean, for myself, at least, I don't really look at the fighting stuff. I've come with goalies wave me down before since I got to uh, North America. But I kind of just gave them the uh, <laughs> I didn't see you. <laughs> I didn't see you face to kind of kind of ignore them. But I understand. I think hockey fights is a big part of the game. And then a lot of reasons a kid watches or people watches in general is because fighting is allowed in hockey. So I think taking away that one can definitely have a huge controversy out of it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. It would be a a difficult thing to see leave the game, but uh, you're seeing little steps happen. I'm going to be I'm going to be curious to see how it's actually policed in the queue. I think everyone will be watching um, because, again, I don't disagree with it, but I also very much disagree with it. So I'm like, uh, it's a it's a double edged sword. But that said, before we do wrap this up. I want to say if you're a junior goalie out there, a beer league goalie, it really doesn't matter, a college goalie, and you want an amazing and affordable mask, order your dream design for your goalie mask at maskwraps.ca. Great price, custom design, fast turnaround, and completely removable. Order yours today at maskwraps.ca and get 15% off your mask design with discount code PIGEON2023. Now, Brody, we'll be watching you at the, well, we'll be at least doing our best to track you at the World Championships. So good luck at the World Championships in Cape Town coming up. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and thanks for jumping on today. It was uh, really awesome to finally get a chance to talk to you. And uh, we'll definitely be looking forward to uh, seeing how everything progresses at San Diego State. And if you ever want to jump back on, just reach out. <laughs> thank you. I'm uh, very grateful for all the things you guys do. Just letting you guys know that it's the thing you guys do that makes part of junior hockey just so much better. Well, we appreciate that. We love making sure that we can get more eyes on you players. And um, again, we know you scouts and GMs and, and head coaches listen. A lot of your parents and families and friends and, and all listen. And uh, we, we want to make sure that we highlight those awesome moments in your junior hockey career before you move on to college hockey. And and we, we just can't watch it all. <laughs> if we could, Steve, we would. But yeah, we would. Uh, yeah. Uh, We would. But uh, we do also want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Be sure to reach out if you're in the junior collegiate hockey world and wish you get on a future podcast. Also follow us on TikTok, a digital hockey podcast on Twitter, PHH official or on Instagram at PHH podcast to let us know what you think. I wish I could get everything under one handle. Uh, we'll see where that progresses, but I haven't been fortunate there yet. This was the Pigeon hockey podcast with Chris and Steve. Have a great one. Hockey fans. And remember listeners always clear crease.